You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Well, that absolutely sucked this is orange and back check we're going to game six we're gonna talk about it right now this is the orange and back check podcast with bill kornfeld and scott weinhardt welcome in it is episode 44 the chemo team in an episode of orange and back check flyers lose one that they probably should have won five three to the Montreal Canadiens, we're going to game six on Friday. Uh, time is to be determined. My guess would be an afternoon game, the way this is going back and forth. That sucked. That's all I really have to say. Scott, where are you at? Um, Yeah, that was brutal. That, that The way that ended was brutal. Look, that wasn't the most entertaining game of the series by far. Yep. You look at it, a lot of fun. Uh, they scored three goals in the power play tonight. <laughs> you can't ask for more than that. They went three for eight on the power play. Um. You, you that's that's not a bad thing but you look at it they just got a little lo- too loose defensively Montreal had a little bit more desperation than they did and at the end of the day uh you know what, what really tipped the scales was honestly tonight was was Carter Hart I, you know like, listen the, the kid had back-to-back shutouts you had to think that at some point Montreal was going to break through they did and they did big time tonight and Carter didn't have his best game tonight, but the last game in a series is the hardest to win, so you got to go to game six to get it done now. And like I said, Montreal hangs around. They weren't going away, so I figured this thing would go six. I was hoping they'd pull it out tonight. It would be nice. Uh, but I think we're gonna have, we're gonna have to wait till Friday to see that. Yeah, no, I think that's exactly what it was. To your point about Carter Hart, I think this was the first time the nerves probably really got to him. It was his first, not just it's it's not just his first NHL playoffs, but this specifically was his first potential NHL closeout game to close out a series, and that takes a lot of pressure to handle. Um, obviously, a lot's riding on you. You're the, you're already having a lot of pressure on you uh, as the goalie. Uh, but then when you're just 60 minutes, one win away, one goal away from uh, taking the series and closing it out and moving on for a rookie goaltender or not a rookie for a young goaltender, that that's a lot of pressure. And I think that was the first time we probably saw Carter Hart look uncomfortable. Um, I, I thought that the, the, you saw really Montreal just come out with, desperation I think is the best way to put it and you see oh, this yeah. all the time you see this oh, yeah. all the time in, in the playoffs when your backs against the wall uh like Montreal's is and I thought the Flyers for the most part handled it well um I think the defense struggled a little bit that last goal 22 seconds in I, I Robert Haig just and Justin Braun I, they were that was just bad coverage on 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 in the slot and it left uh Carter Hart hung out to dry so 
I don't know. Like it's just a okay. It happens. Let's move on. Yeah, I mean the the encur- you can take some encouraging things from out of this game though. Yeah. Like, look, I don't think it was nerves for Carter Hart. To be honest with you, he gave up a bad goal. That that one, that second goal that he gave up, that was the worst op- time to give up that goal. It's not sometimes the it you know the you know you get scored on you get scored on but it's the type of goals you can give up that can kind of deflate the team a little bit. Now, Carter Hart was playing what's called the RVH where he keeps his pads down low, he tucks against the post, but there's a gap between you know your shoulder, your head, and that open area of the net. A lot of goalies play that. Carter Hart's been beaten a few times this season off of that angle, so that they get that it made more sense to me. I'm like, because I kept saying, why do they keep shooting high, high, high? Like you, he's not giving anything up high. But then I realized, okay, when Armia came in down low, that's why they're shooting high on him because he gives that spot up right there. So um, I just think that that caught the team aside after having a five minute power play, getting the hump over the power play, scoring two power play goals, Montreal losing one of their better players for the entire game. Uh, they 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 just they stepped it up, and uh, after that, that really re-energized them. They were on their heels. One more goal in that power play, that would have been game over. Dagger, lights out, game over. Middle of the second period, done. But, yeah, next thing you know, they tied up, and Montreal's got life, and the Flyers are on their heels. And, you know, a lot of people were commenting tonight about uh, Nate Thompson and that line staying out there too much. Listen, you look at the stat line, the whole team defensively was awful. Everybody except two players, Phil Myers and Scott Lawton, who were zero, everybody finishes a minus player tonight besides those two. Yeah. So it, it was bad defensive coverage night. Like, yeah, yeah. Carter Hart here could be a goal. But at the same time, they, they didn't do that well, you know, in coverage either. And then on a lot of the Canadians' chances. I mean, look at the look at the last goal. The last goal, Tyler Pitlick was on Nick Suzuki. And he pulled himself out of position, and Suzuki was wide open in front of the net. You can't allow that to happen. You can't. So um, defensively, I think was the bigger issue tonight. But you know, there is a, there is a bright spot to tonight, which was Jake Voracek, who, who showed again. He had a monster of a series. Jake Jake was a Jake had three points tonight. He was still a minus one. So I mean, that's how you know it's, it's a it's a defensive effort. But Jake's been a monster this entire series, and tonight he was skating with fire. The end was the coolest when he jumped on Shea Weber. I don't think anybody in the right mind would ever do that, but he yes. jumped on Shea Weber's well, back. Coolest cold, thing I've ever seen. He cold cocked freaking uh, Sean Couturier. I mean, I, I don't know if it's a cold cock, but Couturier was getting into it uh, with uh, I, I can't remember who it was, but then Shea Weber just comes in like a bat out of hell and cold cocks him. So good for Jake Voracek for stepping up there and just jumping on him like a crazy monkey yeah. man. Yeah. Like, and- <laughs> And that's sending a message for the next game. That really yeah. is a lot of the that, that, that happened at the end. Yeah, that that that's something the Flyers would be like, "Yo, like you might have gotten away with this one, but next one we're gonna come back in Game Six. We're gonna kick your ass." Like, yeah, I, you know, Montreal. I I I don't think this is gonna change the series overall. I think the Flyers do close it out on on Friday. Um, but uh, you know, they're, they're gonna come back and they're gonna be a lot more physical on Friday. They're gonna play a, a tight road game. It's gonna be it's gonna be fun to watch on Friday, but. Look, today was an anomaly. Just a game where the Flyers, the last one is hardest to win. You, you had you're, they expect Montreal to be, you know, coming with desperation like they did. And after that, you know what? You move on. It's on to the next one. You, you, just like the last two games that we saw with Carter Hart, back to back shutouts. We've never seen anything like this in Philadelphia. It's fantastic. 
Uh, now you just, okay, well, you won those two. Now you move on. You got to get back to the defensive effort you had in games three and games four, and you'll win the series. Yeah, and I think, again, you saw the blueprint for how you have to beat Carey Price. You, you got, you just, they were creating a lot of good chances on the offensive end. Claude Giroux had two assists on the night. He was creating a many chances. I thought he played a pretty good game um, mm. despite his. Like he, he looks like he's skating through mud. He, look, he looks he off looks slow. for some reason. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know if but it's you're right. just. I don't know. You know, I don't, I don't think we've addressed, I don't think we've said this on the pod before. I wonder if it's just his mindset. Like he's he has been slow or just like very um, uh, he's been missing really for, for the entire Flyers playoffs since 2012 when they last won. Um, I, someone put a stat up. I think he only has like three goals in the series that they've played since 2012. I wonder if this one has a different meaning because he is a new dad. I mean, I, I, you're a dad yourself. I know it's tough. Uh, when you're thrown into these situations where you're gone f- from your kid a long period of time, I can only imagine what it is when you're separated from him probably for about 40 days now, 45 days uh, for Claude Giroux with a, his newborn son that he only got to know for a couple months. And now, I mean, J- Jake Vorch, or not Jake Vorch, JVR is in the same scenario with his, I believe it's his daughter. I wonder if that's playing a factor here. I mean, I wonder really? if just just Claude Giroux thinking more about what's it waiting for him at home than what, what, what the present right now, which is well, you it's, can't it's blame possible. him. But. No, and you can't. These guys are humans. Look at Tukaras. The news came out today of why he left the bubble. You know, yeah. people in Boston were trashing him. And I'm like, you're sick. Like, you, your people are sick. Like, you can't dog a guy for choosing his family over a game. And then when you see why that his daughter had a medical emergency – and it sounded pretty serious. Um, he didn't tell anybody what was going on. And frankly, it's none of our business. We'll find out when he decides to tell us. But it sounded pretty serious. And you're going to sit there and say, oh, he has no heart. You got to go. Like, dude, no. Like, you don't do that to somebody. These are human beings. If they decide to go, they decide to go. So, yeah, it's very possible that's the case. Um, but still, I, I mean, you know, you need, you need a guy like Giroud. There was a point I was watching the game, and I'm like, I've been seeing Nate Thompson out here more than Claude Giroud. And then I'm looking and through, and everybody else was seeing that. And it's AV strategy of really making sure that they're clamping down on that uh, that Canadian top line, which is a which is a good thing to do. But it cost them on the last goal tonight because they were all out of position. You, yeah. You know, after I mean, they scored the tying goal, they should have rolled out another scoring line and kept the pressure up instead of trying to – you know, uh, play more, kind of like a prevent, I guess you could kind of say. Yeah, I think Nate, I think a lot of people's problem, and he didn't have that many minutes. He played less than 12 minutes, Nate Thompson, but he still, I still, he seemed like his presence was mo- known more than Claude's, as you were just saying, and, and that's the problem. If Nate Thompson, yeah. his name is being thrown out there more than Claude Giroux, then Nate Thompson is playing a little bit too much yeah. hockey or being too involved in the game of play. Yeah. Um, and that's, I think that's going to change. I, I think AV won't change his style. What he wants at his, I think. I think that's also what happened at the end. We saw what we saw at the end when the scrum started to happen. These teams are going to start cre- are creating their own uh, storyline. Like I talked about uh, after the game two loss, where AV didn't want to forget uh, the, the p- top power play line of Montreal being put out there late in the game. Yeah, they make they create their own narratives to end these series. However, they have to do it. I expect a great. I'm not going to say it's going to be exactly like the 2012 shift for Claude Giroux, but I'm expecting big things out of Claude on game, in Game Six. Yeah, I, I, I he needs to step up. Like 
Claude, it's time to step up. He paid 16, 20, 16 minutes, 27 seconds. I didn't notice him. I, I barely noticed him. I noticed him on the power play. I didn't yeah. notice him a five on five. That's a problem. That's a major, major problem. Five on five in general just struggled tonight. Well, uh, I mean, all their they, goals they came have, on them even. And, or, and, excuse me, the power play. Which is surprising. You know, we talked about last week and uh, dog shit is trending. So that's fantastic. Um, <laughs> yeah, there but, we go. Yeah, you know, but. It, overall, like, you know, the, the top six have really been missing until tonight. The only one that's really been noticing making a difference is, believe it or not, I can't believe I'm going to say this is Jake. Jake's been a monster this series. I It's not just tonight. If, you, if you've been paying attention, Jake caused what they, you know, the, the first goal in game one. Uh, he got the goal. He had a goal in game two. Um, Jake, Jake pressured on game two, game three. Jake pressured a lot in that in this series, and tonight he was skating with effort. And the end with jumping on Shea Weber just tells me that AV is getting the most out of this guy. And I, I like to see the fact that since Giroux isn't really making the impact he normally would, Jake is stepping up for him. Yep. So that that's a that's a good thing to see. And you know, you realize that you know you're you're due for one of these types of games again. You're, you're when you go back to back shutouts, you're not going to have complete clamp it down especially when the canadians are playing loose now i'll say this come next game the canadians are going to start out the same way they did today they're going to play they're going to be desperate they're going to be quick but you're going to go back and watch the tape and realize that wow those guys are jumping into the play a little bit early so we can take advantage of that we can get control of the puck their forecheck is going to be overly aggressive to try to pin the pliers down when you're overly aggressive you get a little sloppy on d and yep. if you can transition early and get a couple pass carry approach, you could put the game out of reach early. Well, you well you even saw that tonight a little bit because of as you were just saying that the the, the forecheck on Montreal was playing with a lot of desperation, so they were pushing pushing the narrative or pushing the pace early. That creates chances. The breakout for the Flyers did not look that good. I, I didn't. Slow. It was it's very slow. slow. It was very like even at the end there with uh, the when Carter Hart went to the bench for the the extra attacker, Provorov just chilled behind Carter Hart or next to Carter Hart for about five or six seconds. I get you're waiting to set up the play, but it was a bigger issue to to how the it was a it was a microcosm of how the game looked as a whole. You yeah. waited too patiently as for the play to set up when you just need to be pushing the pace. When you're right. a man up in that scenario, you're pushing that you need to be pushing the pace as quickly and quick as fast as possible because Montreal, you're trying to get them off balance. You're trying to get them offset. Specifically, you have to get Carey Price off his line and uh, uncomfortable to be able to put one past him, and that's why you saw the power play play, be so successful tonight. Well, it's not only it's not only just getting off Carey Price when you're when you're trying to when you're trying to break out like that, you're trying to get speed through the neutral zone as fast as you can because Montreal is going to be waiting for you at the blue line. So you're not even going to get the Carey Price because Montreal is going to meet you at the blue line. That's exactly what happened there at the end. Now at the very end there, right before the empty netter. Provorov jumped in the play a half second early. A half second later, he would have gained control of the puck. The Flyers would have been able to cycle down low and it generated another chance. I literally watched. I was like, oh, Provorov, you jumped a little bit early. The puck had just squeaked out past him. Um, like little details like that, you may not pick them up, but they matter. So literally like Provorov not being a tiny bit more patient like he was back there and jumping into the play a smidge too early caused the empty netter goal to happen. So I think that... The way this team is coached, the way this team responds, Montreal knows, okay, they got a little bit of life here, but they still have a huge mountain to climb. And again, they don't, though, because, listen, 
Montreal wins the next game. This series is all – we're going to game seven. And you don't want that against a team like the Canadians because, hey, look, you know, you with all due respect to Carter Hart, you really don't want his first playoff experience to go into a game seven type deal – uh, against a guy like Carey Price, because then, you know what, no matter how mentally tough you are, you're still human, you're going to think about that kind of stuff. You're going to have think- to bail him out next game, I believe. He, he's going to have to – Carter Hart's going to have to play better, but you're going to have to score some goals for him. I think it just creeped into my mind for like five seconds during that, what you were just saying. I think it just creeped in for five seconds, and I, I'm back to – I've reset. I've, I've come back to myself. I don't know if I'm going to hear this. I think I, you're going to hear what I had for five seconds. I thought maybe Brian Elliott might be the guy for game six on Friday. That's all for orange and back check. We'll yeah. see you next week. I, like I said, it was only for five seconds, but <sighs> five seconds I, too long. it's like, five no. seconds too long. And the, my only thought was maybe you treat him like a closer is similar to baseball, but then you think about it and you're like, no, cause Carter Hart needs this. And Carter Hart, if you like, not going to say this is going to happen. If Carter Hart gets six and seven and he loses both of those games, was it wor- is it worth it to get him to gain that experience? At the end of yes. it, I'd probably say yes. Yeah, yeah. It, it makes Sometimes a lot of sense. Sometimes you need to learn how to lose before you win. Right. But can the fans understand that nature? Can, can no, our listener understand that? No, they probably won't. Yeah. But that's why we'll explain it to you and why it's that way. Like, for instance, like, let's talk about Carter Hart and that whole debacle that happened in the second period during the yeah. offside play. Yeah. So Carter Hart was getting yanked. Now, that would have been the second bad goal he gave up. Granted, it was deflected, but it found a hole. Like, for instance, like, you as a goaltender, when a shot's coming in like that, you need to body up and you really need to – almost play a blocking style and close all your holes as quickly as you can. You can kind of tell when it's – granted, it was deflected, but it can't squeak through those holes. The fact that the Flyers were up 2-1 to one in that period, and then all of a sudden they were going to be down 4-2, it wasn't because of Carter Hart playing so poorly. Yes, it would have been a second bad goal, and you should yank him, but you got to yank him to get the team going. Because at that point, the Flyers weren't playing well on their own end. So that's really what the thing is behind it, and that's why you would bring Elliott in to kind of jolt the team a little bit. But AV, being a good coach, realized that, okay, well, it's offside, but still, you saw him come to the bench, you saw him say something to Carter, Carter say a couple things to him, and Vigneault was like, okay, go for it. And yeah. after that, Carter Hart played pretty well. Like he, there was a, I think he had trouble with his rebound control. If you want to talk technically, he had trouble with his rebound control tonight. It wasn't that he wasn't seeing the puck well. He wasn't able to control his rebounds. He wasn't able to, you know, uh, for instance, when you make a save, when a goalie makes a save, they're trying to deflect it to certain ways. Sometimes if you're fighting pucks off, your rebound control gets off because you're putting pucks in the middle. There was a couple blocker saves that he made tonight. And he popped it right back out and didn't hop one. I'm like, okay, well, that's not good because – he, he obviously wasn't settled in early when it comes to rebounds, and you, you can get kind of scrambled. Your brain gets kind of scrambled eggs. Being a goalie, I, I, I can't explain why it just happens. When when it's not controlled for some reason, you don't feel in control. You feel like you get yeah. happy feet. No, so, I totally get that. And I think that's what, what you know what, what Vigneault had probably seen, but didn't realize if Carter was like, hey, man, I'm good. I got this. Kind of gave him that reset that he needed, and it also got the team going a little bit more too because you saw him play with more edge after that. So yeah. I think yeah. it was, a, you know, the fact that Elliot didn't come in 
but it was a it was a good reset because you were gonna pull him if that goal counted. If the goal counted, you were, he was he was done for the night. For for as egregious as the miss call was, because the guy was off. I can't remember who it was off the top of my head. The guy that it was, was off, Drew in. Drew in was Drew, offsides. Drew in was offsides by more than ten feet, fifteen feet. It seemed like for the ref to not be able to catch that in real game time is an atrocity. But at the same time, the Flyers took an unofficial timeout. You saw AV utilize the yeah. timeout uh, later when there was 41 seconds left on the empty net. If if the Flyers – the AV was able to calm his goalie down. Like all he had to say, as you were just, you were just alluding to, you good? Here's like wh- what's going on? And just took 15 seconds to calm his 22-year-old goalie down a little bit instead of having to pull him. And that's not just a match the show of uh, maturity by Carter Hart because he did settle down. He let up that bad goal in the end that was the eventual game winner. I but- think it was a bad goal. That wasn't his oh, fault. Excuse me. I'm thinking of the second one. I'm thinking of okay. the second one still. Sorry. Yeah, uh, against that uh, – it was a bad goal in terms of Robert in the de- defense. Robert well, yeah, because the Thompson line was out of position. Tyler Pitt went to the boards when he should have yeah. stayed with Nick Suzuki. That goal so, would have happened. So, A.V. just being – showing uh, – Carter Hart showing his maturity by being able to just calm himself down on his own, but also adhering the advice, whatever it was, from his uh, – Clearly, who has matured on his stance on young young players in in AV? Whether that's just because he was forced to change his stance on young players because of how young this team is in the Philadelphia Flyers, but good on AV and and, and Carter Hart to just calm themselves down and realize where they were sitting because it was only, I believe, a one goal game at that point, especially uh, two goals if, if the goal had stood. But great challenge by AV and the coaching staff and to leave it at uh, at a one goal game there. Right. And the only criticism I have for Vigneault would be, look, I know you're trying to play the matchups. I know if the Thompson, the top line is out there, you want to put the Thompson line out there. I get that. But after that, after the Flyers tied the game, the smart move in my view, and just in my view, would be to have, okay, I'm going to roll my second line out there and try to get these guys going a little bit against the top line because you have the momentum at that point. You have it where you're trying to – a lot of times after, after goals who, are scored – Who was the second line tonight? Just for – it was Hayes, Raffle, and Lawton, I believe? Or yeah, was that, like yeah. Raffle had a pretty strong game. Like Lawton was the only player on the offense who was even for the night. Yeah. So you could have done something there to generate something or at least grind it out to make sure that they don't come right off the rush. Yeah. You, you, you can't have that swing. You saw what happened in game one. Montreal tied the game off the Shea Weber goal, and then 20 seconds later, the Flyers took it back, and then they took control. That's exactly what Montreal did tonight. They gave the Flyers a taste of their own medicine. Let's hope game six is a replay of game two, but on the Flyers' side, and they wipe them out 5 nothing. That'd be great. Um, but still, overall, it, it look at it where that's the only criticism I really had for A.V., uh, defensively, this the team didn't have it defensively tonight. But again, they're going to go back. They're going to look at the tape. They're going to fix it. We're going to move on to Game Six, and life's going to be good because you know what? They're going to win Game Six, and they are. And you should feel confident that they would be Game Six because, look, we talked about it before. Flyers haven't lost back to back games all season. Let's not go when it doesn't happen now. If it does, I can see everybody panicking a little bit, and I yeah. don't blame you. I just. You know, at some point, yes, but is that probably going to end? Yes. I just don't see it happening because I think that Montreal, to quote Ken Hitchcock, blew their wad tonight. <laughs> like that's, yes, I that, see what you're saying. Yeah, right. Yeah, like that. It gets a Ken Hitchcock direct quote, by the way. Um, they just, I, I don't see 
how Montreal can get better than they did tonight. Well, here's right. what I talked about in game four, like when the Flyers were up 2 nothing. Like what you really started to see, and you saw it a little bit tonight uh, throughout, but I think because, again, we go back to the desperation that Montreal was playing on the forecheck. What you really started to see in game four, and I think you'll really see it, especially after – as you so eloquently put it through Ken Hitchcock, they blew their wad tonight. Yeah. Uh, like, I think what we really saw was the depth of the Philadelphia Flyers really starting to drain out the, the, the play of Montreal. I think the top line is going to be the top line and the top defense is going to be the top defense for Montreal. You're not going to really slow them down any more than you already have. They, what they are is what they are, but the bottom six and the, and the bottom pair of, of the defense is where you're going to create your matchups and create your chances on this team, against this team, excuse me. So I think what you'll really see, because they – played with so much effort tonight, as you just put it, the depth of the Flyers is what's going to really be shown in game six, like we saw in game four and game three and game one, because they grinded them down, they grinded them out, and they didn't out-check them tonight. I think you're going to start seeing them get, they're going to get into the heavy checking, I will, I would predict, on, on Friday night. They just announced uh, Jason Martinez of uh, the the, the uh, Fanatic and, and the Philadelphia Flyers. He just announced that it's going to be a seven o'clock game. Oh, uh, wow. Prime he's, time. So he's the only, but he's the only guy that I'm seeing say that, but we'll see. So we'll go off of him. I, I trust him. Jason is a great guy. So I'll say seven o'clock, but like, uh, it, I think the depth of the Flyers is going to be really uh, the factor and why they're going to win game six because of how much effort the Montreal Canadiens did tonight just to save their season. It's now going to reverse affect them uh, in Friday night game six. No, I, I, I agree. I think that, you know, you saw some guys get out of the slumps a little bit tonight. Brendan Gallagher finally got his first goal, but he's got 37 shots in this whole playoffs. and He's got yeah. one goal. You know, I don't think that all of a sudden Brendan Gallagher is just going to open up and take over. I, I don't think that Montreal's deep enough to do that. They lost. Um, I could say the same thing for Claude, yes. though. I, I'm sure. I, I don't know off the top of my head how many shots Claude had, or yeah, Claude Giroux has. And then, but he's also not going to start waking up anytime soon. And the Flyers need him to wake up just to play yeah. devil's advocate. But you. you're, you're, over- you're okay with that because you have Jake scoring for you. Look, Montreal's yeah, been shut out in two games. Their offense is obviously struggling. Tonight was an anomaly. Yeah. But they also lost Jesperi Kakanyemi for the game tonight. And who knows? He might be facing a suspension now. I mean, anytime a major in misconduct happens, the league looks at it. So – yeah, I, I, was, I don't know if we'll suspend him in a playoff game, but it's very it was possible. A, yeah, I mean, that was a rough hit uh, on Sanheim. It, it, I mean, it wasn't worth a major, but we'll take it. Yeah, I was – I'm – you know, I in today's NHL with how ticky-tacky the safety team is, uh, I always forget who the player is now that's that's heading that up. That's the player representative. Um, I thought it was Pronger for a while there. It was, and uh, maybe it still is Pronger. But either way, like the way the NHL just regulates their system now, their safety nowadays – I'm not shocked that that's a major. I'd be absolutely shocked if he gets a, a one game suspension. There's no way. I I think it was. Yeah, I agree. I think it was a little dirty, especially because you saw the number of of Sandheim, uh pretty clear as day. But yeah, I I think the blood is what everyone drew their attention to because that was a a lot of blood given given because I think it was more the visor going into him than the 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 check itself. But yeah, I'd be I. I I get the five-minute major, but I, I'm a little shocked. Yeah, I was a little shocked. And I think it was 
The refs weren't really that great tonight. Like I'll I'll be honest, I don't think the refs they had a compl- great game the, tonight. And if we're being if we're calling calling everything fair here, Niskanen got away with one tonight. He oh compl- yeah, he got one. Brendan Gallagher, yeah, when he cross checked him in the face, and I don't think that's why they his- called the the penalty. <laughs> I mean, they had the Kelly Hayes should have had a penalty out. shot. Like that was borderline. Like he was pretty much it, when you get it when you're supposed to be called for a penalty shot, you're on a clear cut breakaway. Yeah, and people are saying, oh, that's clearly a penalty shot. I. I can see why the ref wouldn't do that in real time because you know, there were two Canadians right on his heels. Like if I'm if I'm being honest, I'm glad they didn't call. Like I thought about it, I was like, this that it's very close. I wouldn't be shocked if they called a penalty kill right, or a penalty right. shot. I'm glad they didn't. I yeah. think it would have been less of a chance that they score the goal because Carey Price one on one is one of the toughest toughest opponents. It's already tough enough to score on the penalty shot. It doesn't look. Yes, it looks easy because we're watching professionals, uh, but it's yeah. one of the hardest things to do oh, in absolutely. the sport. So Harry Price I, was feeling it tonight too. He might have exactly. he might have gotten beaten three times, but that early in that game, he just he, Kevin Hayes had a great shot early that was going low corner and it, it kind of fooled Price, but he he made yeah. the save. He made it with his so. pad, and then he got his glove on it twice. And I'm thinking, oh boy, like when when Price doesn't move that glove that much, but you kind of see the arm waving, like it means he's taking up that space and he's he's actually not moving a whole lot. Like it yeah. looked like he's windmilling up, but really it's because. When a player takes a shot and it hits the webbing, your arm flies back. So a lot of those windmills that you see, they're really bringing it forward. That way it doesn't go into the net, believe it or not. So like when I saw like his arm was whipping like that and that glove was coming out, it's because it really like he's, he's he's not moving it a whole lot, but that glove was knocking pucks away. He didn't catch a few cleanly, uh, but Price was on early. He got beat a few times, but they didn't beat him even strength. So um that's that's something that's something to, to look at there. So. You know, I'm also looking at I'm looking at the stat line, and I, I I think what also is pretty shocking is the Canadians had 23 block shots shots on the day. Flyers only had nine. I wonder if the mindset was if if Shea Weber has the puck, just just let Carter Hart handle it. Um, and, and that was just a general philosophy, and it got trick, trickled into their minds to just let the pucks go and fly. Um. I, I feel like that's going to be a different mindset come Friday night. Oh, no, I, I, not just that. The Canadians weren't really taking shots from the perimeter night. They were really mm-hmm. trying to get Carter Hart moving. They were really trying to get in, in tight plays, and you didn't really see anything because the flying – look, if I look at the blocks, I don't look at it as, oh, let's not Carter Hart see it. It's no, you didn't play well defensively. So you weren't forcing shots from the outside. True. You're yeah, forcing right, plays right. in front. So, um, again, Flyers route hit 39-28. to 28. Montreal came to play tonight. But again, this is this is the best Montreal is. Montreal isn't there. Is, there isn't an extra gear in Montreal of what side of what you saw tonight. Right. There isn't There's an extra a- gear of what you saw out of Montreal out of instead of game two. You, the Flyers' you, extra gear is clamping down defensively. That's yeah. really what it is. And there's really two extra gears that the Flyers could have because we're still right. waiting for we're still waiting for the full force of the top line. Yes, Jake Voracek had a great game, um, but Vor, uh, but Claude Giroux continues to struggle. Um, I think was Farabee on the top line as well. No, With, I think I don't. Was he on the top line? I think he might have been on the power play. He was. So maybe it was, was on Coot. the power play. No, so it was Coots then. Yeah, so it was Couturier, Voracek. Voracek and Giroux. And then, yeah. uh, like, Voracek and Giroux, all the top line performed well uh, besides their negative, uh, their plus minus, excuse me, but Couturier had two assists, Voracek had uh, a go- two goals and an assist, and obviously Claude had two assists. So you need more out of that. You need you need Giroux scoring goals, and I know we've talked about it time and time again. He's not a goal scorer, but in scenarios like this, he needs to at least pot one. 
Um, they sacrificed defense for offense tonight. Tonight was one of the wackiest games I've ever seen in my entire life. It, it reminded yeah. me of that 2012 series against Pittsburgh where it was just an offensive onslaught the entire time. Yep. It was a yeah, weird right. game. It was a weird game. Yeah. But, so, I, like, I'm, they're showing the highlights on NBC during the first intermission right now. Man, that the first goal took a weird bounce and had – it just popped right in front of Gallagher, and it, or I think it was Gallagher, man. No, no, it was Joel Armia. Armia, it popped in front of Armia, and man, that was. See, that's I think the first goal was a bad goal too, because he wasn't track in that sense. In that sense, Hart also wasn't tracking the puck well. Yeah, I know you were talking about the rebound control, but there were moments when I did not think he was he was looking at it correctly. There was one. I I think they tried to stuff it in from the side of the net. I thought it went in. I'm thinking like, oh my god, that go in like and it didn't, but it yeah. looked like the way he reacted was like, look, he he was fighting it tonight. And sometimes that happens. Sometimes you win games when you fight pucks off. He's done that before. Sometimes you don't. And tonight was one of those nights where he was fighting the puck off. He wasn't in control. Also, that also plays in the fact that his defense wasn't really helping him out tonight. I can guarantee for game six, the defense will come out better. They'll come out tighter. They'll block a lot more shots and they'll transition the other way and they're going to score on carry price. And it's going to be like a, a 2 1 3 2 game. Might even go into overtime because we're going to get one of that at some point. <laughs> yeah. I, I'm actually, the, 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 I don't know which broadcast, if you watch the national broadcast or the local broadcast, uh, JJ said that this is the longest streak the Philadelphia Flyers have gone without playing an overtime playoff game. I think he said it was at 23 or 24 games, maybe even more game, than that. Game three of the 20, game three or game four of the 2012 series against, I think it was game three against uh, New Jersey in 2012. Yeah. Where Alexei a, scored off a rebound. It's a very game. shocking streak. It's shocking streak that the well, fly, because so, they were always in overtime. Listen, that 2012 series. Yeah. They beat the Penguins in game one overtime. They didn't go to overtime the rest of the way. They beat the Devils in game one in overtime, and they went to overtime in game three after they got blown out in game two. Ponikoroski scored off a rebound. The year before that in 2011, they lost in overtime to Boston in the second round off that weird play where it bounced back out. It was a shot from the slot by Nathan Horton. It looked like it hit the crossbar, and they kept playing for like about a minute until they finally blew play dead. It was weird. It was kind of like the 2010 game six goal. 2010, 2011, in that series against uh, uh, um, uh, Buffalo, they they lost game five in overtime and then won game six in overtime. So we're, we're used to seeing a lot of Flyers hockey in overtime. I mean, think of how many overtime games they played when they went to the final in 2010. I mean, against Jersey, against yeah. uh, twice against Boston, and twice against Chicago. So they had five overtime games in, in a series in, in one playoff year and two and and two. And so for them against like 27, when you look at 2014 against the Rangers, like those games were tight, but they never got to overtime. 2016 against the Caps, tight, but never got to overtime. And 2018 against the Penguins, you weren't good enough to get to overtime. So, you know, it, 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 yeah, I can, I, it's a stretch, but at some point, if you go deep here, you're going to do it. So I don't want to speculate on the next round until they get out of this one, but there's oh, some teams there that they'll you'll look at and say, okay, well, yeah, that that those are going to be tight games going into overtime. Listen, overtime is a special thing, but also I don't know if some people can handle the stress of that with this team. 
can because, Carter, can, can, well, the, the biggest question, the person they we have to ask then. No, I'm talking about the fans. I'm not talking no, about but, Carter Hart. But I, I know I'm talking about Carter Hart, though. Do we know if Carter Hart can handle a playoff game clinch, series clinching overtime game? Or we know until he goes through it. Yeah. We won't he, know. I still don't think he. Lo- I still don't think he looked that sharp tonight. I know some some goals were to blame easily on the offense, or excuse me, on the defense because they weren't set correctly, and Joel Farabee specifically on the on the game winner with uh, Suzuki. But Carter, Hart, put it this way. Put Hold it this on. way. Put it this way. Carter Hart concerned me tonight, and I have concerns going into Game Six. That can easily he'll easily settle for me in the first five minutes of Game Six. We'll know how he's how he's feeling five minutes in, even less than that. But I'm not going to lie and tell you that I'm not concerned about him right now and for game six right now. Okay. So let me clarify something for you. Game one, what happened? Well, in what sense? I mean, the Flyers won. Okay. Well, had, a, had a Carter Hart play in game one. It's his first, his first real true playoff. He looked great. He, he looked okay. great. What happened in game two? The offense looked terrible, and he also because of that he looked terrible. Okay, and what happened in Game Three? Of course, I, I I get what we're doing. He pitched a shutout, and he okay. pitched a shutout two games ago. Now two games ago. Okay, so guess what happened tonight? Had a he crappy had a bad game. game. Yeah. Had a bad game. It's, it's what hey, happened. I, I get it's it. what happened last time he had a bad we're game. Also ta- I get it, but we're also talking about a scenario that he hasn't faced before. He ta- he faced for yeah, the first time. We're talking about him rebounding a after a bad game. That's ultimately sure. at the end of the day. That's what the kid's going to sure. be thinking about. I know. He's not going to be thinking, oh, my God, if I don't if I don't win this game, I mean, oh, what's going to happen? Is Philadelphia going to hate me? He's going to. I had a bad game tonight. I got to go in the next one. Yeah, that's I'm not saying that. I'm not saying. I'm saying as the if if a fan like myself all of a sudden has the creeping like I said earlier in the podcast for five seconds tonight, I thought maybe Brian Elliott should be the guy. I've resorted oh back. I, Carter Hart will Why be the would guy. That thought even Car- creep in your head when the kids have back to back shutouts in a play in his first playoff it. series. I get it. I, I don't know. know if you do if you're thinking that. I thought about it for five seconds. Yeah, but you thought about it. It's, it shouldn't even okay. be crossing your mind. Why not? I, I can. I, it, it, it can easily. I think. I, I'll tell you this. Hey, you I'm not. He's had back-to-back shutouts. He's had one. He's had another bad game. You know, let's write Elliot from here on out and see what happens. With Brian I'm not saying write Elliot here on out. I'm just saying give him a mental reset on not just a a quasi timeout while you're challenging a goal. That's what I'm saying. Look. It came back, and he and look, you, you. If you pull the kid too soon, you'll start to mess with his confidence. You can't play the back and forth game with the goalies all the time. Remember last time that happened? Do you remember when they played the back and forth with the goalies? What year was it, Bill? I would say 2013. No, it was 2011 when they had Bob and Bush going in almost every single game. And guess what happened? The entire team lost confidence, fell flat on their face against Boston. And because they could not get consistent enough goaltending on how it worked out. Yeah. Look, I, the whole thing is with Hart. Tonight, what happened is that if that goal counted, you were pulling him to jolt the team. It's not all oh, on yes, Hart. I agree with. Yeah. And so that's that's the thing is that the goal didn't count. So you didn't need to jolt the team because you were going to do it anyway. It wouldn't have been, okay, if he gave it before, after it happened anyway, you weren't going to pull him at that point. You were going to let him ride it out. Because he had gotten the reset that he needed. The team understood, well, we got to wake up here. And they responded. And then they tied the game back up. And then, next thing you know, just a bad bounce, a bad play, being out of position for a half second. Montreal took advantage of it. And that's why they lost. Overall, yep. when you look at it, 
He, the kid kept him in the game for as long as he could until even – look, it doesn't matter if you're fighting it off or not. He didn't look great. He kept him in it. They ultimately – yes, they lost 5-3 because of the empty netter. But ultimately, it was 4-3 for the longest period of time, and he helped him and he kept him in it. That's all you need your goaltender to do. You need your goaltender to give you a chance. This is on the team for not bailing the kid out after he bailed them out for two games for not scoring. And a that's night a good, where you have, and, and, yeah. and when you, and the night where you do score, you need to bail the kid out, and they didn't. So really, the onus is here on the Fords because Carter Hart is not an issue at all. You can't be nervous about what the kid's going to be doing. You can't be nervous that he's got to close it out because you know what? At the end of the day, the team has got to score goals for him because you can look at the opposite side and look at Carey Price, who's been stellar this series. Yep. But before this game, the difference was. Carey Price had given up six goals in this series. Carter Hart had given up five. The difference was a single shutout. So you're 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 that's how close this series is. So Carey Price is playing just as well on the other end, and, and he's bailing out his team, and he's lost a couple games for it tonight. His offense bailed him out. You needed to do the same thing for Carter Hart. You might need to do it in game six because it's probably gonna be a little more open again. Yeah. It's very possible. Unless they this they look at the tape and which they will, and and they address certain things about what they need to do. Because if I've been yo, I'm looking at this and saying, wow, every single player was was minus. Something's wrong here. Defensively, we look like trash. So I'm going to reset and have the team play more responsible defensively and maybe not put out the Nate Thompson line every five seconds because you're going to have last change anyway. So you're going to go back to play a standard oh, road game and play six, more six. like you did in game three and game four. Game six, they'll be the away team, so they won't have last change. Montreal will. Right, exactly. So you'll go back to where you did game three and game four. You'll go back to that strategy when you couldn't even when they couldn't even get one past Carter Hart. So you'll yeah. go back to that kind of similar strategy and, and try to close it out from there. So, you know. Now, but other now besides my five seconds of uh, I'll call it stupidity and thinking that Carter Hart should be benched for Brian Elliott, and I'm let me make this clear. Carter Hart should be starting game six and game seven if that's necessary. Bar like unless something not. catastrophic happens. Let's Carter Hart should be playing. Seven, I don't look, I'll be I'm gonna so, be perfectly honest with you and not to cut you off. I just yeah. want to say this. I'm gonna throw this out there right now. If the Flyers go to game seven, I am gonna be deeply concerned they're not gonna win this series. Okay. I, I think a lot I, I don't think you'll be the only one. I think it really depends on how bad they good or bad they look in game six. But no, because but, you you let them hang around. Yeah, they do the same yeah. thing they did to Pittsburgh. They would just find a way to grind it out because that's so, what they do. So besides that potential, do you expect AV to make any changes? I think there's one player that we may see creep back into the lineup here to try and get an offensive jolt, especially because this player that was on the ice tonight had less than uh, 10 minutes of ice time. But on the defensive side, you're talking about trying to reset the defense. Odds over under – 22% that we see ghost in the lineup game six. <sighs> I don't know. I, I, I don't know if you can risk that. I don't yeah, know I if you can look at game two and realize how bad he was. I don't know if you can do that. I mean, I don't think you can either. I, I, I think you, I think you played a well enough game without him in game three and game four. And tonight just being the wackiest thing we've ever seen. Um, I, I think this is a small sample. I just think that, Montreal came out with a lot of energy, energy playing with desperation. The Flyers it took a while to match. Excuse me, it took a while to match that. And um, once they once they do, 
Um, it's going to be, you know, they'll, they'll be okay. Cause I, I think the flyers are going to be desperate enough to close this thing out. Cause I don't think they want to take it to seven. Um, yeah, I think, we're, I think yeah, they'll, they'll come out. They'll come out desperate on, on Friday. Yeah, I agree. And that's why I think we're going to see JVR back in this lineup. I think Bunneman, who had only six minutes, less than seven yeah. minutes of, of ice time tonight. Mm-hmm. He wasn't on the ice a lot. I think AV started to see still a minus one too. Yeah. I, I think, I think Bunneman has not not played his course for this team because I think he still has something to offer. Uh, you'll have to have a conversation with me well, what that is exactly. But no, he's a bottom six player. He's the yeah. developed into one. He's still a young player. Let so I think, so I think I think JVR creeps himself back into this lineup because I think again, like you said, they're going to be playing with desperation in Game Six to get to at least at the beginning for sure. Uh, in the first ten minutes, we always talk about that first ten minutes of any period is always the key for how the flow of a, a game is going to go. Um, I think JVR gets back in this lineup on maybe the third line, possibly the fourth. I I, I think the third is where it, it would suit him right now. Um, and replace Bunneman, who just was a minus one, as you said, and didn't do much at all. He only had one shot on goal and nothing else. Yeah, I mean, I don't think he messed the defense. Look, Phil Myers was even tonight. Travis Sanheim was only minus one. Robert Haig was only minus one. Uh, Justin Braun was minus one. The, the biggest red flag to me is Matt Neskin at minus three. And he played 21 minutes, but uh, even Provorov was a minus two tonight. So your your defensive core is, as a unit, not bad. You had a couple bad moments from the top, top pairing. Um, but yeah, I, you're, you're probably right. They're probably going to look at this and say, okay, all right, Butterman's got the speed and he's got the aggressive, but you're using him for six minutes. Maybe that's six minutes. You can get JVR on the ice and maybe get him in front of price and maybe get something there going. But, um, we'll see. I, again, I think it's more of a defensive issue than it is a, a you know, anything else. Um, so I, I would look at it as you might see him come back in the lineup. I don't think. I don't think Vigneault is going to want to make major changes after this game because you look at game three and you look at game four and you're going to try to blueprint that because that's when you played your best. Yep. You didn't really have too many defensive gaps. You, you locked down defensively. You collapsed in front of the net. You just didn't come out with as much energy in this game. I, you know, you look at it. Montreal didn't really play a great game either. They lucked in some chances. They really got lucky tonight. Um that can go a little confidence, but again, like you see how well Montreal tried to play in game three and game four. I just think tonight is that you, that's the, that's the, that tonight was their pushback. And that, and I don't think they're going to get more out of it. I don't think you're going to see Joel Armia score two more goals again. Um, I, I just don't think that, you know, especially with some of the guys like Thomas Tatar, who should be, who, who should be scoring because he's a goal scorer. Uh, he hasn't done anything, but it's the young guys like Armi and, and, and Suzuki um, and uh, what's it called? Kak and Yemi. If he comes back, he'll, he'll help out. But even with a shortened bench, they just threw everything they had. And, but that, that's it. They might they might be out of ammo. I, I just I, I can't. Yeah, see, it's all about that. It's, I, I, I can't see Montreal doing more than what they did tonight. I just don't see it. Yeah. As we as we've talked about several times, this was the best that Montreal ever could have looked. And there's about one or two gears that we were missing from the Flyers tonight. Yeah. And yeah. I, I think we're going to see that at least one of those gears uh, Friday night uh, to close. Cause the final prediction before we wrap this thing, like I, I like 
3-2 win, uh, maybe a 4-2 on an empty netter for the Flyers. I, I'm Do they not, ever hit them? Yeah, that's <laughs> they true. They never hit the empty well, net. Uh, well, they're due, right? What, what did uh, Richie Ashburn used to say when he would uh, – he's finally due, right? So, yeah. uh, like, he, he's due. for they're, they're, they're due for an empty netter. So I'm going to go 4-2 on a game six win. I'm going to go a 3-2 win in overtime. Yeah, I, I – I don't know. I, I, I think it's going to go to overtime, and I, I like that it's, it's probably a Friday double night. overtime. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm going to like that it's a Friday night overtime game because I don't have to get up and oh, uh, now I'm at three hours, so whatever, oh, like go for it. Yeah. So yeah, all right, I, I'll be down for that. If 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 I can't get my four two win on an empty netter, I'm down for an overtime game. Yeah, I, I think I think it's going to Montreal's going to take it down to the wire, and I just think that they're going to throw everything they have, and but ultimately they're just going to come up a little bit short. Yeah. Well, if that if that comes to fruition, we have an overtime game six potential game clinch or series clinching victory. Uh, if you're new to this podcast and or new to the watching the Flyers, this will be a good stress test for you. If yeah. you have heart problems, get your heart medication ready. Yeah, if you have heart problems, do not watch playoff <laughs> overtime with your favorite team in it. I can promise you that right now, it's, you won't survive it. <laughs> it's one of the best. It's one of the best and most stressful feelings. I think sports fans can ever feel especially if it's a game seven but man game six it, it get any any playoff overtime just has that that special tick that pit of your stomach feeling it's never it's it's fun and it's yeah it's uh it feels like you want to die inside at the same time it, it's a weird yep. feeling for sure you feel like every shot's gonna go in and yep. it's the craziest feeling in the world like it looks like every single shot's gonna go in the net and every shot's going in the net good. and yep. everything is going to be called a penalty even though the even though you, i think there's an unwritten rule we talked there was a lot of baseball talk uh throughout the the media t- this week about unwritten rules in baseball i think there's unwritten rule in hockey that the refs unless it's absolutely egregious like the sandheim hit tonight uh they they let them play once it's in overtime it really pretty much much. you'll get them in overtime but defenses really really clamp down on that so yep you got to be lucky a year so you're you're, yeah it's a totally different animal in overtime it's it's oh but hey i would like to see it again i would like to see it we're all gonna enjoy that together whether it's yep. good or bad, we're all going to be there, and we're all going to discuss it here on Orange and Backcheck. And uh, you can be sure we will have a full breakdown. Game six, we're going to call it a win. We're, this series closes out game six, well, Friday night. Round of ourselves. We're 10. predicting. We're predicting. We're predicting. We're predicting. But give us a follow, Orange and Backcheck Podcast. Shoot us an email, orangeandbackcheck at gmail.com. He's Scott. I'm Bill. Let's go, Flyers. Talk to you guys Friday night. Finally cleaned up the dog shit!